sorry. The scripture reading for today is Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. Be not anxious. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. For what will you eat or what will you drink, nor about your body, what you will put on? Is life more than not food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. The word of the Lord. morning. Let me add my word of welcome to any guests here this morning. As kids are dismissed, we can open our Bibles or on your your phone or device, have the scripture in front of you. Thank you, music team. Thank you, Victor, for reading that scripture for us. We all know that getting our priorities straight is a pretty important part of life, right? But human nature, and probably in your experience you found, it's hard sometimes to keep the main thing the main thing. We're distracted, we're tempted by all sorts of small things in our immediate attention, and sometimes that distracts us from the most important things. And that can have big consequences in our lives. And sometimes all of this reveals even that our priorities might not be what we thought they were. Two Los Angeles police officers found this out when they were fired for not responding to a robbery call at a local mall. They claimed they didn't hear the call for backup because they were at a park that was too noisy. But thanks to modern recording in their vehicle, uh, that told a different story. Not only did they hear the call, but they willingly chose to ignore it because they were in the middle of something else. Instead of chasing robbers, they were chasing one of these. The 20-minute recording in their vehicle showed that instead of doing their duty, they were playing Pokemon Go. In case you were wondering, they were successful in defeating the Snorlax. So mission accomplished. But in making that game a priority for that 20 minutes, they failed to do their duty, they put their community at risk, they embarrassed their department, and they lost their jobs. And just recently, uh, last month, they lost an appeal to try to get their jobs back. Surprise, surprise. 
because they probably thought they had a certain set of priorities. Those officers would have told you that their priorities included doing their duty as officers, protecting their community, serving their community. But of course, their actions said something very, very different. The same can be true of us. The Christian life, we would all say that our priority is Jesus and his kingdom, but often our behavior says otherwise. What we think about, what we spend our time on can reveal oftentimes misplaced priorities. And one of the big consequences of taking Jesus out of first place in our lives is that we become consumed by worry, fear, and anxiety. We continue our series in the Gospel of Matthew. We've been working our way through Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Last week we looked at the Lord's Prayer and saw that Jesus taught us to pray with a focus on the kingdom out of this true righteousness that God rewards. Well, Jesus picks up that theme here with teaching on priorities. He shows us how having the right priorities frees us from worry and anxiety. And again, he says his disciples are to be different than the world around us. Whereas anxiety sucks the life out of us, Jesus shows us a different way. Finding the fullness of life that comes from seeking him and his kingdom first. But let's pray before we look at God's word. Our Father, we come to you this morning in worship with grateful hearts for who you are. As we've sang together, we lift up your great name. We lift up the name of Jesus together. And we come humbly before you, before your word, before these precious words of our Savior. Maybe to many of us, very familiar words that have sort of blended in and are easy to look over. I pray that we would see these words with fresh eyes this morning, that your spirit would enliven, would awaken our hearts to see our need, whatever it is, wherever each of us are this morning, in the areas of worry and anxiety. Would you grow us together as only you can? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll look at Matthew 6 and verse 25. This right here is the heart of this section of Jesus' teaching here. Verse 25, Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Stop there for just a minute. There you have it. There's the command in a nutshell. Don't be anxious. Just about every way you measure it, people today are more anxious than ever before in human history. Despite all our advancements, despite all our knowledge and our mastery of so much, this reveals really how little mastery we have over ourselves. Obviously, the last couple years, we all know that has compounded and piled on anxiety for almost everyone. And now, even more recent events this week in our world have us wondering, what will the future hold? There's so many reasons to be anxious. So what do we do with Jesus' teaching here? You're anxious, we'll stop it. That's one way we could take this passage. Don't be anxious. There. Let's close in prayer. But if it were that simple, we wouldn't be struggling, as so many of us do, so deeply with anxiety. This sounds nice, Jesus, but come on. How does this connect with real life? I mean, is this just one of those teachings that, you know how it is, we think, well, yeah, I I need to do better in that area. And we just sort of shrug it off. Or, Or maybe we think, as soon as I get over this really worrying circumstance, 
then I'll be clear. It'll be smooth sailing. Then, I'll, then I can apply Jesus' teaching. But we really need to wrestle with what Jesus is saying here. Is he really being honest? Can we really apply? Can we really obey this command, this teaching? I confess my own sense of inadequacy preaching on this topic. Anxiety has been a lifelong struggle for me. I come from a long line of worriers. It's an area I've been growing in, but I have a long way to go. So I come to this passage personally wanting to grow, wanting to internalize this teaching in a deeper way. And maybe you come to this text with me in that same way. We often use the terms worry and anxiety interchangeably. But there's a difference. It's on a spectrum. Worry is our thinking, right? It's usually something right in front of us. It's some practical need or something we're concerned about right in front of us. How we'll perform on this job interview. But then when that's over, often the worry is gone or it moves on to worrying about something else. Anxiety is a deeper thing. It's more lasting. It affects our mind and our bodies. And when left unattended, it grows into all sorts of harmful conditions and anxiety disorders that affect millions of people, millions and millions of people all over the world. The Greek word here for anxious can be translated worry or anxiety. Really, it speaks to this whole spectrum. But it's important to note here, as especially for those of us who struggle more acutely with anxiety, Jesus isn't minimizing our struggle. He's not oversimplifying it with this command. He's not condemning you. He's not dismissing your struggle. He doesn't want you to think if you're struggling with anxiety, you have no faith at all. You're a spiritual failure. Or, of course, that total freedom, we don't want to think, just comes from flipping a switch. Okay, well, I'll just obey this now. No, no, no. We know it goes much deeper than that. We're complex as human beings. Anxiety affects our mind, our emotions, our body, our heart. So growth for us may be a, a very holistic approach that could include, include getting good counseling. It could include talking to your doctor. But Jesus here is speaking about worry and anxiety as a roadblock to faith because that's what it is. We can't be really anxious and fully trusting at the same time. It's impossible. And that's the point. And so wherever you are, however you approach this text, whether it's addressing our hearts and minds that tend to be so over-concerned about things or the wrong things, or seeing how this gets our priorities out of whack, Jesus' teaching here gives us the foundation to grow toward freedom from anxiety. Anxiety has been defined as a mental and physical state of negative expectation. Maybe you found that to be true in your own life. You don't even know what it rationally is, what is bringing you anxiety necessarily, but you just feel like something bad is happening or going to happen. How true has that been the last couple of years? Well, what's the next thing that's going to go wrong, right? So we want to recognize that our anxiety that many of us are feeling or even deeply struggling with right now is a very normal response to the stresses of our personal lives and of our world right now, but we don't want to ignore it. We don't want to just accept it and let it derail us, let it take over our lives and our walk with God. Jesus' teaching here cuts right through that. It doesn't, he doesn't let us get away with that. Because these physical effects of anxiety that we often feel in our bodies were designed by God. They were put there for a reason. 
Those who study anxiety now see very, very clearly that anxiety is meant to capture our attention. It's been written in many, many places that anxiety is meant to stimulate us to make necessary changes. God put it there. It's a wake-up call. The problem is that when anxiety gets so high or is just so constant, we don't get the wake-up call. We just accept it. We keep going on in our hamster wheel of life, whatever it is, and keep getting deeper and deeper into our anxiety. It just doesn't get our attention anymore like it's supposed to. It doesn't prompt us to make necessary changes to protect what we're supposed to care about most. So let's let Jesus' words here this morning be healing for us, like coming up for air. Our anxiety is saying, hey, make changes to protect what you care about. And Jesus here guides us on what we're supposed to care about most. It's not a quick fix, but it's entering more deeply into this way of life that he's calling us to, of growing trust and dependence and peace. So he says in verse 25, don't be anxious. But he frames this on both sides, above and below this command, as you see in the text in front of you, with essentially the antidote for our worry and anxiety, one we need to keep coming back to. And it is often for us a matter of priorities. He says we need to prioritize the right treasure and prioritize the right kingdom. So let's back up to verse 19. Matthew 6 and verse 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So Jesus gives us two options here, right off the bat. We can store up treasure on earth, or we can store up treasure in heaven. It's not a question of how much we have. It's a question of where our focus is, which one we consider our true treasure. Jesus isn't condemning earthly possessions here, but verse 21 shows us the danger of focusing too much on earthly gain. Our heart follows. It becomes our priority. In Jesus' day, they didn't have modern banking like we do today. So wealth was stored up in a home or a safe place. But Jesus' point is well made, even in our day, when we're a bit more secure, so we think, with our wealth, right? We can never be 100% sure we won't lose it. And today, markets rise and crash. If earthly wealth is our focus, even if you have a ton of it, your only guarantee is a life of anxiety. Worrying every day about protecting your treasure that you may lose at any moment. Best case scenario, you don't lose it in life, but then you die and you don't get to take a penny of it with you into the next life. Jesus says that we're free from that if our treasure is in heaven. If our heart is fixed on heavenly treasure, if that's our priority. The word heaven here often stands for God in Matthew, like he says, the kingdom of heaven, where other gospels say kingdom of God. So this is treasure with God. This is treasure of a life lived with God. Treasure that God provides. Treasure we can't lose. But this isn't just about transferring our human effort to a different investment. Jesus has been talking so much about humility in this chapter. But we can be confident that a life of faithfulness to God brings heavenly reward. 
That's not only in the future heaven, but we start enjoying that treasure right now. One of those treasures is freedom from anxiety. One of those treasures is the peace and the joy that comes in its place when we live this kind of life. For focused on the wrong treasure, we can't ever, we can never hope to be free from worry and anxiety. Impossible. Verse 22. The eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? The big idea here is the single eye that represents complete devotion to God, keeping with this theme of priority. Look at verse 24. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Word for money here is mammon, possessions, materialism is really the idea. You can enjoy money, you can use money to serve God, but the problem, again, comes when we love it, when that becomes our heart's priority, when it consumes our attention. Jesus doesn't mess around here. He says we become enslaved to it. Materialism is a danger for anybody. It doesn't matter how much money or possessions you have. You can fall into this trap, maybe especially in our Western culture. But the danger is clear. If we're thinking we can do both, we're being deceived. This is where misplaced priorities become idols. Because whenever anything in our lives takes that top spot, it's an idol. We're worshiping creatures, so we have to be worshiping something. We can never hope to fight anxiety in one hand while we're feeding that anxiety with the other. Jesus is waking us up to the ways that we do this. These idols of the heart, they produce anxiety because we keep seeking after what will never satisfy, no matter how many times we come back to it, no matter how high we put it on the pedestal in our lives. Only God can satisfy. So Jesus invites us to find our treasure with him. If you don't know Christ, heavenly treasure begins when you put your trust in Christ rather than the temporary things of this world, rather than trusting in yourself. When you turn from worship of self or stuff or status or whatever it is in your life and turn to worship God. But look again at verse 25. We come back to where we started. Therefore, Jesus says, so in light of what he's just told us about heavenly treasure, verse 25, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Jesus illustrates this point in a couple ways. First with birds. Look at verse 26. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? So Jesus says, don't be anxious because God feeds the birds. What Jesus is not saying here is be lazy, right? Just sit back and let God feed you. Just wait for everything to come to you. As Martin Luther said, God provides food for the birds, but he doesn't drop it into their beaks. Birds are some of the most hardworking animals you can ever see if you observe them. Constantly on the move. Jesus is making an argument here from the lesser to the greater. 
The point is, if God cares for the birds, and he does, how much more does he care for you, the pinnacle of his creation, made in his image? He uses that phrase, your father, constantly in this chapter. We saw it last week, all throughout this chapter. As commentator R.T. France points out, a true understanding of that phrase, your father, is the ultimate antidote for anxiety. Your father. His next illustration is the flowers. Look at verse 27. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven... Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Our family enjoys seeing the wildflowers here in Texas every year. Our kids are in the habit of when we're driving, they scream, Wildflowers! When we're driving, they spot some on the road. There's such striking beauty, such variety of color, and yet they're gone almost in an instant. So many of them never even seen by human eyes. And again, it's the lesser to the greater. God says, how much more will God clothe you? This is really practical, everyday stuff that Jesus is dealing with. Our daily needs. And when he says, you of little faith, this isn't a a condemnation. He's not pointing the finger down at us. But it's a wake-up call. Where are you putting your faith? You have faith, where are you putting it? Anxiety and faith are opposites. Verse 31. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Last week we saw in the study of the Lord's Prayer that God knows what we need before we ask, right? That truth Jesus repeats it here. That truth should free us from worry. God knows what you need already. The Gentiles here, when he says that, he means people without God. So again, this is a big wake-up call. When Jesus' disciples are consumed with worry and anxiety, we're operating, we're living like people without God. That's how it looks. As if we don't have a loving Father in heaven. Of course, it's good to be concerned about the right things, to be concerned about clothing and feeding your family. This is all good stuff. It's important. But all of those concerns, he's saying, must fall under the major concern, the top priority that only he fills. Otherwise, even good things become idols. We come now to the climax of this section, one of Jesus' more famous teachings. Look at verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So we've had the negative command so far. Don't be anxious. Don't be anxious. This is the positive. In a phrase here, we have the core teaching on finding freedom from worry and anxiety. Seek first the kingdom of God. This word seek is a present imperative. That just means it implies continual action. 
It implies an ongoing seeking. Again, this is not a quick fix. So don't judge yourself harshly when you don't just snap your fingers and this all of your anxiety goes away. This is a lifestyle. It's a way of life. Because the world is constantly bombarding us with reasons to be anxious and afraid. The world is constantly telling us to change our priorities. So we have to take this command to heart daily, maybe hourly, maybe moment by moment. Our seeking has to be continual or we'll always just get swept back into the current. As the Lord's Prayer teaches us to pray for Christ's kingdom to come, this command is how we live out that prayer. This command puts our prayers into action. All these things, Jesus says, all these things, that covers whatever we're worried about. And he's already covered a lot. He's talked about anxiety about money, about possessions, about basic needs, about health. And in the next verse, he covers worrying about the future. That about covers it. Whatever you tend to worry about, whatever builds up anxiety in you, it probably falls under one of those categories. Jesus says all of it. See, the enemy wants to distract us not only with these things, but with the effects of prioritizing them, which is worry, anxiety, and fear. Remember, Jesus is making a point here. So this isn't a blanket promise that everybody will always have all these things all the time. We see that in the very next verse. So context, remember, context is key as always. Verse 34, look at that. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So don't miss the point here. He says it right here. There will be trouble tomorrow and the day after. So we can't make this passage a name it and claim it or a health and wealth kind of a promise that completely misses the point. We will get sick and die. Bad things will happen. Believers in history have been martyred for their faith. I'd say that's a loss of their basic needs, don't you think? Putting the kingdom first does not prevent bad things from happening. Trouble will come. That's a promise. But Jesus is saying when we worry, we only multiply our trouble. We only add to our problems. Instead, take that energy and put it into the kingdom. Take that energy that you're expending so much on worry and anxiety and seek Him above all else. And let God worry about the rest. At times, my five-year-old daughter is scared of the dark, has trouble sleeping sometimes because of it. So our constant reassurance, you know, we've tried to comfort her. God is with you. You're safe. Everything is okay. It's all right to be scared, but God's with you. You'll be okay. Now, she's thankfully growing in this area, but recently she's becoming more perceptive where simple answers like that don't work anymore. I tried to reassure her one night that she was safe, that, you know, nothing bad's going to happen. Let's go back to bed. She said, but not everyone is safe, right, Dad? God doesn't stop all bad things from happening, right? So I did right there what any wise father would do in that moment in the middle of the night. I said, go ask your mother. 
Five years old. She sees what Jesus is saying here. There's trouble. There will be trouble. So oversimplified answers don't really help in life. That's not where we live. And that's not what Jesus is doing here. But let's be honest. Apart from knowing God, apart from trusting a Heavenly Father, there is lots to worry about. Trusting God doesn't mean all will work out like you want it to. But it does mean if God ordains some trouble or God allows a trial or suffering or setback in your life, he is still in control and he promises to be with you through it. That's the promise. Without knowing that a loving father is watching over us every moment of every day, Jesus' command here would be ridiculous. And without putting his kingdom first in our daily lives, obeying this command is absolutely impossible. But he gives us his provision, his life in us, the power of the Holy Spirit in us. We can adopt this lifestyle of growing trust, of growing freedom from worry and anxiety. We can take another step in this direction. Some of us need to take inventory of what's been contributing to your worry and anxiety lately. It's so easy to blame outside factors. They'll always be there. But how do we respond to those factors? That reveals often our priorities. Maybe your anxiety reveals too much focus on money or stuff. Maybe your anxiety reveals just a constant need to be hurrying and be busy. Focus on your reputation or popularity, keeping up with the expectations of others. Maybe your worry about the future reveals your need for knowledge and control that's above your pay grade. So let's not deceive ourselves and say, I'll put Christ first after, and then you fill in the blank. After I retire, after I get married, after I graduate, after I get whatever this is that I'm looking toward, that I'm anxious about, we have to start today. Because how we spend our time reveals our priorities. If you're stressing all day long about your, your investments and you're checking every five minutes all day long and then you spend five minutes that day in prayer, how does that compete? Let's get real practical here. How does that compete? How does that take you out of the current that is so strongly pushing you toward anxiety? What's your relationship like with social media? How do you feel after you've spent an hour on social media? Has it been good? Has it been restorative for you? Maybe it has. But if it's keeping you in that cycle of anxiety, ask yourself these questions. If watching or reading the news stirs up anxiety for you, and you spend hours every night doing that, hearing one sermon on a Sunday is not going to turn that ship around. Jesus does not give us a quick fix. He gives us a lifestyle that we need to take seriously. In our culture, in our day today, we are steeped in anxiety. It's everywhere. So we need to let that produce the effect that God intended, right? Remember, it's a wake-up call. Hey, make some changes. Address what's more important. So let's let our anxiety turn us to prayer. Keep praying the Lord's Prayer, as we saw last week, with which... That prayer helps us focus on the kingdom. 
Pray that prayer designed to help us obey this teaching. Memorize this passage, or in Philippians 4, where Paul says, don't be anxious about anything, but what? Pray. Pray. He promises that God's peace will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. If we take steps into this lifestyle, if we obey, if we turn to prayer instead of anxiety. This week we begin the season of Lent. What a perfect time to ask ourselves these hard questions. To give some serious thought and prayer to how we can live more into Jesus' words here through Lent. Maybe it's giving up something in your life. Maybe it's giving up something for the 40 days of Lent. Maybe it's giving up something for the rest of your life to take hold of this teaching and to take it seriously. Maybe it's adopting a new prayer practice. But ask the Spirit to open your eyes to what you've been putting in the top spot, what you've been seeking after more than Christ. So we need to repent of those idols. Like those police officers who chased after a Snorlax Instead of doing their duty, which to us seems so clear, right, when you see it in somebody else. But we do the same thing. We can be so blinded when our priorities are out of place. As I sat with Jesus' words this week, knowing, again, my own ongoing struggle with anxiety, the words of an old hymn came to mind, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus, which fits so well with the point Jesus is making here. O soul, are you weary and troubled? We all say yes. Yes, we are. No light in the darkness you see. There's a light for a look at the Savior and life more abundant and free. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. Notice this next part. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim. in the light of his glory and grace. Let's pray together. Our Father, we come before you with hearts that are so often anxious, that are so often over-concerned about even good things, but that distracts us from really trusting you, from really finding the freedom that you have offered to us here. So we want to first acknowledge that you are our loving Father. It's simple truth that we need to keep coming back to every day, especially when we fall into worry and anxiety. Especially in our day and culture, anxiety is everywhere. And so we need your Spirit to wake us up. We need your Spirit to slow us down. We need your Spirit to bring us back to who we are in Christ. To live like disciples, not like people without God, but to live like your people. This life of seeking the kingdom sounds simple, but we can't grow in this area without the provision of Christ. And so help us lean on him to find his strength, to let go of our worry and anxiety, to choose instead to trust you to receive your peace that passes all understanding. And so, Father, guard our hearts and minds in Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Stand together.